with the world of comic books and pop culture ever-changing. How are fans meant to keep up with the trends in the industry? Is the new event from the Big Two worth reading? What's the story on that show from that network about that hero from that comic book? Can I trust a movie review from someone who hasn't even read the source material? We have the answers you seek. These are my Big Fat Pull List's current issues. Welcome to my Big Fat Pull List's second episode of Current Issues, where your hosts, Smurfy, Marv Danger, Dr. Impact, and Mr. X, talk about what we think are the most important news items going on in the world of comic books and pop culture. We then either praise them, condemn them, or remain neutral about them. Our top stories for this episode include DC Comics Freedom Fighters, IDW's Transformers vs. Ghostbusters, Marvel Comics Absolute Carnage, and a follow-up to our previous news item regarding Jonathan Hickman's X-Men Comics relaunch. Spoiler warning. From this moment on, spoilers are in effect. In the show notes for this episode on our website, we will have listed the time code for each of these segments. So, if you do not want to be spoiled by something that we're talking about, just skip ahead, go watch, read, or do what you have to, and then finish the episode later. You have been warned. And now, welcome to Dr. Impact's Movie Tone Podcast Newsreel. The year is 1945. The world is at war. That's right, World War II rages, ladies and gentlemen. And who is there to help? The superheroes of Earth-X, Uncle Sam, and the Freedom Fighters. The Freedom Fighters is my choice for this episode of current issues it is currently a 12 issue maxi series out at dc that's unfortunate that it's 12 issues because this thing could go on more but before i get into the the background of all that i i want to point out that i personally have never really read the freedom fighters okay i've known who they were like many of us here we've probably read DC crossover events that included Uncle Sam. Mm -hmm. We've probably seen Phantom Lady show up in the background of something. But um, but as far as like an actual Freedom Fighters book, I've never actually read one. When this relaunched under the Rebirth line, they set the entire thing on Earth-X. There was no more, this is in the past, this is in the 40s, this is on this Earth. This is classic Freedom Fighters, but relaunched and redone for modern day because correct me if i'm wrong the freedom fighters were from one earth and they won the war everything was fine and then they find out that earth x the correct. nazis won so they actually leave their re reality and jump to earth x correct as as far as pre-crisis continuity continuity goes yeah. right they they went from earth quality to to earth x in this it just starts on Earth-X. It follows a similar format in the sense that the Nazis and the Axis powers won World War II. Okay. But there's no traveling from another Earth or anything. There were freedom fighters during the war, and when the Axis powers won, they basically wiped out the freedom fighters, 
America was taken over by Germany, and anyone that was connected to the Freedom Fighters in any way kind of went underground and kind of became like a rebellion of sorts. Okay, okay. Because of that, the American dream and the American spirit faded from the country. And in doing so, Uncle Sam died. Oh. So That's his kryptonite. Dark. It is. That's his kryptonite, yes. Mm-hmm. Over the years since then, Hitler, you know, ruled and passed away. And now his son is ruling. And he's very old and probably going to pass away soon. And Adolf Hitler the third is next in line. Oh, goody. And, um, that little scamp. Yes. And Hitler the third is is a crazy <clears throat> sociopath. Hitler the second Wait, is kind more, of inept. more more crazy. Yes. Okay. More crazy than like his grandpa. So the third is more like grandpa. Uh, maybe even worse. Where? But, yeah. Oh. Okay. Nito. Yeah. He takes Adolf Hitler to the next level. That's right. So different Earth. Is it still the exact same freedom fighters that will be soon to come over? So let me. Uh, yeah. Let me explain exactly what this team is. Mm-hmm. Throughout the years, obviously, the team has altered, you know, because this book does take place in 2018, 2019, whenever the first issue came out, I forget. So it is in pseudo-modern day on Earth-X, and therefore anyone that was in the Freedom Fighters back then have either gone or retired or been killed. Having said that, the team is the Human Bomb, Black Condor, Doll Man, and Phantom Lady. Okay. I want to say that many of them, if not all of them, are killed by the end of the first issue. Oh, but there wow. are but there are legacy versions of them in modern day then that take over. There's now Doll Woman, I think, Doll Woman or Doll Girl, and then Phantom Lady and Human Bomb and Black Condor, but they're they're different people. They're not the old school ones that you saw pre-crisis. All right. They mimic more the Earth Prime versions that you saw when DC tried to say that they had one Earth in the 90s. Mm. <laughs> so they're, they're more like that. But the interesting thing about this world that they've created, this Earth-X freedom fighters that they've created for Rebirth, is they're kind of playing off an idea that I discovered was something Grant Morrison created for Multiversity. Mm. Multiversity, okay. you know, was like about 12 issues, and each issue took place on a different Earth. And then the companion book at the end, I think, had a guide to the multiverse. Well, one of the books was Earth-X, and it was kind of him reinventing the the Freedom Fighters uh, mythos. In that, what he determined was that on this Earth, and this is brand new to Freedom Fighters history from what I understand. I didn't know this. This has never been done until now. According to their history now, on that Earth, Kal-El's rocket crashed in Germany. So the Third Reich had Overman Mm. instead of Superman. And he worked for them, and he basically helped them win the war, essentially. Overman eventually saw the error of his ways and left. Left the planet completely. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Made a mess, and then just like, you know what? The party's over. I'm gone. I'm sorry, guys. I messed up, but I'm not going to clean that up. So he left. And uh, in, in his stead... The subsequent Hitlers have been working on poor robotic and clone replicas of Overman. Like you do. To, to have an Overman. At the same time, 
Something else that they do, and I, I don't know if this came from uh, Grant Morrison's Multiversity or if this was created just for this new book, but the other thing they do is they, they established that Plastic Man is not just one person. Plastic Man is like this self-replicating, almost multiple man-esque army called the Plastic Men, but it's two S's because they are the SS. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, wow. And they're all of the bad qualities, all of the sociopathic, crazy, criminal qualities of regular Plastic Man heightened. And (laughs) none of the good qualities. So they're nuts, and they're impossible to defeat. It sounds like what they do with Multiple Man in Age of Apocalypse. It's it's very similar. It is very similar, yeah. So anyway, so that's kind of the world that I got introduced to with the first issue. And I just thought, well, this is... This is interesting. This is different. Mm-hmm. And it's outside of and it's outside of continuity. regular continuity. Right. Which is how I've been able to stay on top of it, as opposed to all the other DC stuff that I'm like, <laughs> you know, however many issues behind. Because it doesn't really connect to any ongoing storylines. Over time, I have enjoyed the book so much that it is probably my favorite DC book right now. Wow. There's nothing groundbreaking about it. There's nothing about the book that is setting any kind of new standards for comic book storytelling. There's nothing that they've done that you haven't seen a million times over. They just do it really well. And it's just enjoyable. It is the one book I look forward to more than anything else because it's just enjoyable. I mean, in the second issue, they determine that they have to, the Freedom Fighters and the American Rebels underground, have to try and bring the American dream and the American spirit back. And the more acts that they do and the more uh, battles that they win, which, of course, you know, the the Nazis call terrorist actions. Right, right. Because one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. All of these actions, you know, they start to, to send this undercurrent of the American dream around Earth X. And Uncle Sam crawls out of the ground. And he's back. <laughs> And now it takes a while, and I think they're only up to issue 10 as of right now. And he is only just now starting to get to, to his full strength. And they're they're starting their major rebellion. So I have no idea where it's headed or where it's going. And I know that issue 12 will come out, I want to say, in December. And I'm really bummed. I'm really bummed that it's only 12 issues. And DC's had a lot of other miniseries and maxi series that have t- taken off like crazy lately. And... Many of them have been turned into ongoings, or the characters have been switched over to other books. There's been no word of that on the Freedom Fighters. It's like it's like a really good book that has just kind of slipped under the radar, and nobody's paying attention to it. And it's a damn shame, because it is it is my favorite book out there right now. I cannot recommend Freedom Fighters enough. I, I assume that when the 12 issues are done, there will be a, a hardcover that collects the whole thing, I, I would guess. Well, yeah. It's a great, great book, and and you don't have to know anything. Like I said, I you know, as long as you know the character names, I didn't know a damn thing about the Freedom Fighters, and I was able to jump in with both feet. Okay, I think that's an important thing to know. Somebody who might look at it and be like, "Oh, well, I don't know their history," but now, right, you saying that you can just dive on in? I haven't had any problems. There has been nothing that's been referenced in the book that made me go, "Oh crap, do I need to hunt another book down and read this? Is yeah. this playing off of something else?" Mm-hmm. Maybe it is connected more to the Multiversity book that Grant Morrison did. I don't know. 
I I think I read that, but I don't remember. <laughs> um, obviously, it's not connected enough to to make any difference. Yeah, yeah. It's it is so enjoyable. It you is, like DC comics? Okay. Yeah. Do you like heroes fighting Nazis? Okay. Well, then you gotta pick up Freedom Fighters. It is pure comic book magic. And that's where we want to ask you. Are you reading the Freedom Fighters from DC? If so, what are your thoughts on the book? Head on over to our website at mybigfatpolllist.com and let us know. Mob Danger here. Gonna talk about those pesky Transformers and those insidious Ghostbusters. But first, we throw it to the man on the streets. Eric Burnham. And our man behind the camera, Dan Shaning. Have you ever wondered what would happen if the Transformers met the Ghostbusters? Every God, day. God, yes. Well, boy, does this miniseries have the answer for you. This is the Ghosts of Cybertron. And essentially what happens, from what I can understand, is that the Transformers exist in the Ghostbusters universe themselves. This isn't Transformers from another universe coming to the Ghostbusters universe. This is Transformers that exist in the Ghostbusters universe. Right. Because as the book starts, it really does start off with a bang. The Decepticons have won, the Autobots are fleeing with their tail between their legs, and then what should happen as Megatron, Soundwave, Starscream, Shockwave, they're standing around gloating when all of a sudden a portal should open. Who should walk through that portal? Gozer. And he makes one request. They choose the form. Of the Destroyer! Correct. But here's where it gets fun, because of course they literally go through... The same, it almost feels beat for beat from Ghostbusters. Even so much as Megatron walking right up to Gozer and being, and just getting in its face, because it's technically a robot now, and finally she, she's like, the form is chosen. And they do that pause where it's like, well, I didn't think of anything, when you didn't think of anything, and you didn't think of anything, and then it pans to Starscream. I was just going to say, is it Starscream? It's Starscream. <laughs> And what should arise, but I believe the exact quote is, for only a split second, I thought of what could be powerful enough to destroy Cybertron. And then out of nowhere, this giant roar occurs, and King Starscream comes plowing through the city. <laughs> because he's such an asshole. I'll be, I'll be quite frank. I don't know a lot about Transformers. I know what I remember from the 80s cartoon. I remember... Megatron hated Prime to an unreasonable extent. <laughs> and I remember Starscream was such a prissy little bitch. Now, I, I am reading the current Transformers run okay. from IDW, the bold new direction. But this doesn't have anything to do with that, you say? No. So like, because I've been getting this too, but I haven't read it because I thought it pertained no. somewhere to that. But okay. No, this is like... This it's is completely own, yes. alternate. It's, okay. it's not like the turtles show up and it's turtles from their universe and right. Ghostbusters from right. this. These are Transformers from the Ghostbusters universe. Okay. This is essentially the continuation of the Ghostbusters line of comic books. This is just the next story mm -hmm. in which they interact with Another the franchise. Cybertronians mm -hmm. of that universe. So once and for all, Egon cannot deny aliens exist oh, but he does yeah. well he still does <laughs> but 
even for a smart man like him, mm-hmm. these are damn aliens yeah. <laughs> right in front of you. No, they're. N- I love that. Every time like Pete or Ray will say something, just there's one line off panel. No, they're not. Yeah, yeah no, they're not. <laughs> it's terrific. So essentially what happens is the Autobots flee, never knowing the fate of Cybertron. So eventually they get a distress beacon. The newly created, I'm going to guess, Transformer X, who is their scientist, who already looks like he belongs in the Ghostbusters because he's got the little visors. He's blue and brown. Uh, he looks like he's already Ecto-1. Is like, oh, I've got a distress beacon from Earth, where, of course, they go. The Ghostbusters are fighting an alien, or a ghost, that looks to be Kang or Kodos from The Simpsons. <laughs> okay. It's, uh, it's very fun. They catch him, and they meet X. I don't remember his full name. It is, he literally says, I don't understand why no one can say it. It's only eight syllables long. And I'm just like, you know what? Fair enough. Uh, they rename him to Ectotron, just for sake of convenience. Why not? Yeah. And then they find Ghost Starscream who has set the beacon that the Autobots can detect and tells them the woes of Cybertron. (sighs) And then it just gets crazy, gentlemen, because they do not get along. Uh, I think Venkman traps Starscream twice, and then you come to find out, which honestly, and this is just me, but the main villain actually looked like one of the wizards from He-Man, so I thought they were going to get this weird triple Hmm. crossover, but it's not. What you find out is... There's an alien ghost whose name is Ten Syllables, so not going <laughs> right. to say it here. He has found out about the AllSpark, and so he uses Starscream and the other Decepticons as bait for Optimus Prime to get the AllSpark, because once he has it, he will become a god. Ghostbusters have obviously dealt with gods before, and through some chicanery, they are able to defeat him in issue four. And in issue five, it's exactly what you want. It's... Ghost Megatron fighting Ecto Prime with an axe. And it's <laughs> terrific. They fight for about a third of the book, and then he accidentally possesses... Uh, no one possesses Optimus Prime. He, pres- he possesses Ectotron. And they fight for a bit, and then they finally... Because, of course, Transformers have mouths. We all know this. Otherwise, how do they eat? Uh, they pour the mood slime yep. down his throat. <laughs> whatever. Uh, which pushes Megatron out, but he's no longer Megatron that we recognize. He more looks like Ultron, honestly. Mm. I think another interesting thing about the story is the ghosts of Cybertron learned that by inhabiting the inanimate objects of Earth, like vehicles, they could essentially, if given the Allspark, get new bodies. That they don't really find out there till the absolute end because right. at the absolute end, Prime is like, listen, I don't want to fight you guys anymore. You're like some of the last of us. Decepticons, Autobots, yeah. war's over. We're just Cybertronians now. I want to get you guys bodies and let's work this out. And of course, Megatron being Megatron's like, ah, you know, I'm gonna fight you as a ghost. He's basically Flintheart Glumgold. Yes. <laughs> However, the other three Decepticons. While Megatron goes to fight, he looks back. He's like, what are you doing? We outnumber them. And they're like, no, that's a really reasonable offer. I want to be flesh again. Right. I want to be alive. Yeah. Right. And so they're like, he's like, you're going to pay for betraying me. They're like, we're not betraying you. We want to have bodies again. Stop being an idiot yes. and think for a second. Yes. But of course he won't. He's too enraged. 
However, they quickly lose that appeal as Starscream has attacked Pete Venkman because Pete Venkman has trapped him twice. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what? You know what we could do, though? If we're not going to kill the Autobots, we could at least kill lesser beings. <laughs> and so they attack the Ghostbusters. <laughs> and, of course, the Ghostbusters win uh, because they are ghosts and they are Ghostbusters. One of them is better than the other. And the comic ends with... <laughs> Starscream realizing that the Ghostbusters have beaten the big ghost and that he can just run away. So they capture Soundwave, Megatron, Shockwave, and he's like, no, I'm gone. Yeah, see you guys. He's like, <laughs> he's, <laughs> I believe his final line is, Pete Venkman, I'll get you, but you won't see it coming. And then he just jets Leave that hanging in the air so everybody has a moment to laugh at my hilarious joke. Because he is Smurfy. He no Smurfy. Smurfy, look at me, Smurfy. I can't. I'm, Smurfy. My brain, my brain shut off. Smurfy. <laughs> I have to, I have to it's it because here. he is a jet. I, well, thanks. <laughs> I know Transformers. Essentially, it leaves it open. The Transformers universe Ghostbusters go off on their way. They take the three, and they're like, you know what? Despite them being colossal jerks, we're still going to give them bodies. We're still going to try and help rehabilitate them. And they go. But then (laughs) the last thing is Starscream. You see him just hovering around like the sun, and he's just plotting. You're just like, okay, well, this isn't over yet, and that's fun. It's five issues. Um, The reading order is pretty simple. One, two, three, four, five. (laughs) If you can count, you can figure it out. (laughs) Correct. So you don't want to start with three and then go to one. Well, I mean, you can because then it's a mystery. I think what I enjoy about what they're doing with the Ghostbuster comics continuity is, and they could be building to this later on down the line, uh, we've seen the Ghostbusters interact with the Turtles through interdimensional travel. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've also interacted with different versions of themselves because there is a multiverse out there. Yeah, They've now set up the fact that Cybertronians exist within that universe itself. So, wouldn't it be wild? They also make reference of G.I. Joe. Of course they do. Because mm-hmm. G.I. Joe exists in the same universe as Transformers. Well, depending on which and, version and, and you're talking about. Yeah. Right. But no, I mean, those not that, anymore. That, that, oh, that was, they, they, that right, was an right. IDW side right. continuity kind of a thing. Oh, it they, was they, its own they, little they, world. They got rid of that? Oh. Yeah, that man. stopped. That mm-hmm. stopped a while back. Bummer. That was kind of cool. But it would be interesting to see a... Ghostbusters, Transformers, Ninja Turtles. A world's collide sort of. Mm, yeah. Kind of a thing, yeah. 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 I know, it'd be, I it'd absolutely be interesting. agree. I, I don't see why they wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. It seems that all of these crossovers that they've done with multiple properties, even as ridiculous as it sounds, I mean, Ghostbusters and Transformers, it sounds ridiculous. Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles. Yet you read it, and not only is... Is it a plausible idea in the comic book world? But it's good, too. Correct. And I think that has a lot to do with Eric Burnham, because he has been the sole writer so far as everything Ghostbusters. Right. So it helps when you have one voice. Sure, steering the ship. Correct. Yeah. Well, maybe with the success of that, maybe we'll get something like Ghostbusters and Star Trek. Ghostbusters and Usagi Ojimbo. Yeah. I agree with you, Mr. X. I, I really feel they're building to something. It feels like everything they've done has built to something in one small way or another. So, like, it feels like everything they've done, no matter how fun or, like, what seems to be just the gimmick for this one miniseries, has traveled with them. And it feels like we're on a journey. I'm, I'm just, 
I'm so excited to see where they take us. Thanks, guy. This is Marv Danger. One more time. Did you pick up Transformers vs. Ghostbusters? Ghosts of Cybertron? If you did, what did you think about how the characters came together? Let old Marv know. Swing on in to our Instagram and Twitter accounts at my big fat pull list. And this just in absolute carnage in the streets. Smurfy here, reading Absolute Carnage. Let me tell you guys, I didn't really know a whole lot. Of, like, I knew a lot about Spider-Man. Wasn't reading a lot about Spider-Man, but this intrigued me. So I decided to jump in. Problem was, first first order of business, jumped in a little late, trying to find a reading order. It was next to impossible. What is nice is in some of the books that they do tell you when you open up the first page, there's a little blurb about kind of like what's going on, and then it'll tell you these events follow Absolute Carnage number two. So you know, cool, put it in the back. Getting ahead of myself here. Sorry, let's start over. So Absolute Carnage is about Cletus Cassie back from the dead. Carnage is back. Uh, what you don't find out in Absolute Carnage, you find out in one of the prequels to it, is that every time any of the symbiote, and whether it be Venom, Carnage, Scream, or whatever, is, is bonds with you, it leaves a little bit of a codex in your spine. Carnage is after every codex from anybody who's ever had a symbiote on them. It was like in a one-shot or something prior to, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah there's yeah. like a, apparently there's a whole I bunch of old that. history yeah. about that where they left yeah. it behind. And they kind of like, there was even one of the Ghost Riders had a codex on them. So mm. I read the tie-in uh, Symbiote of Vengeance, Yeah, and it was about mm. a ghostwriter living in Mexico who had it. Uh, she had, I guess, Venom on her at one time. Uh, not anymore. It was a ghostwriter. Carnage is after her. Uh, Johnny Blaze, who is running Hell right now, sends another ghostwriter, Danny Ketch, to go help out. Her name is, I believe it's Alessandro, if I'm saying that correctly. I think you are. It's close not, to that. Okay. Yeah, but either way. And that's where you originally find out that there's a codex in there. Uh, the fight goes poorly. She dies. Carnage gets the spine, and when he devours it, not only does he get the codex in him, he also gets a little bit of Ghost Rider's abilities. So now you have a Carnage with a little bit of Ghost Rider ability against a Ghost Rider. Really kind of a cool, fun story. Yeah. So you get into Absolute Carnage 1, he has a body count. Venom figures out what's kind of going on, but at the same time you find out Eddie Brock actually has a kid. Uh, you find out that the kid may have a codex on him, so Eddie's now got to save this kid who doesn't know that Eddie's his dad. You know, Eddie's like, I'm, I'm, uh, this is out of my league. I need help. So he gets Spider Man to help him out. So he starts kind of filling in Spider Man what's going on. At the same time, though, Carnage is making all sorts of clone Carnages out of everybody he can find. Wouldn't Spider Man have a codex in him as well? Yes. Okay. He would. Yep. Yep. Then you find out in issue two that even the old, uh, well, not the old uh, Scorpion, mm -hmm. he's got one in him. Yeah. Carnage after him. Uh, that ends badly for both him and Miles Morales. Because okay. so, Miles Morales doesn't have a codex, but so an army of Carnages attack them. Miles tries to save Scorpion. Scorpion gets a chance to flee. He's like, hey, thanks, Spidey. I'm out, dog. And turns around, and there's Carnage, and this ends poorly. They do get Norman Osborn out of jail, and he becomes a Carnage. So now you have Cletus Cassidy reunited and Norman Osborn in charge of an entire oh, Carnage right, army. Oh, right, because he was the Red Goblin. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, he also still thinks he's Cletus Cassidy. Yes. So there's actually like a power struggle going on in issue two where they're both think that they're head dog and Cletus looks at Norman and goes, hey, we're going to have words before this is over. Me and you. Mano a mano. That's what Carnage is known yeah. for. A lively debate yeah. of ideas. He's like, we're going to have words. <laughs> yeah. You just know it's it's going to be horrific and awesome and bad. But so far, it's been a really fun read. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I said, there was a whole bunch of comics to read in between all of it. And trying to figure out a reading order was probably most of my time. Did, as you, you, did you figure one out? Sort of. There's um, there's a whole bunch of tie-ins. I was convinced 
pick up every tie-in, right? I fell for okay. it again, hook, line, and sinker. So I was like, okay, I'll get every tie-in that's available. So I started picking them all up. And then it came out to, she's only halfway through, I feel like about 20 issues or so wow. that I have. And, I mean, there's still a lot more out there. Start putting them in order. They even have the story that involves the four symbiotes that were on Deadpool, that left Deadpool and were on a dog. There's a one-shot <laughs> where the dog finds a girl who, like, parents are fighting. She's all upset. She, oh, a cute puppy. Cool. Hey, come on inside. And once they go inside, they're like, oh, it's family of four. They start coming out and getting on all the family members. And it's pretty horrific. Mm. Like, one of the neighbors hears a fighting going on, comes over, knocks on the door. Hey, I heard you were fighting. Acid in his face. It's one of the symbiotes spits acid in his face, dead, laying there. Yeah. They're going to devour him and eat him for dinner. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. Right? Like, pretty gruesome stuff. But other than that, like, that, I feel like there's no direct tie into the book, except you figure out where those four symbiotes have been and how they're coming back. Well, there, they do there appear. is. Yeah, they do appear. They do reappear. Right. Because, again, most of these tie-ins do serve the greater story. Finding a place to slide them into issue one through five of Absolute Carnage can be tricky. <laughs> yeah. Almost near impossible. But some of these don't really matter. Sure. Well, and that's and that was going to be my question. Right. You know, because I, I only picked up the actual Absolute Carnage Right issues itself. That's why I originally. That's, did. And then, what that's why I did right. originally. And then, um, and then I'm already getting Amazing Spider-Man. So any of okay. those tie-ins I had, and I figured since the whole thing is written by Donnie Cates, that maybe I should probably pick up the Venom issues as well, because those have seemed like they've been important. But have I missed anything important from any of the other tie-ins other than just expansion of of the story and world? Nothing important. Uh, no. Just uh, right. a handful of cool moments. Venom is important, so yeah, I realize yeah, that. I yeah, I found out that those are, yeah. So, right. You're the same guy who's writing Venom is also writing the main book, then yeah. Yeah, you probably one, pick it up. One would think that it's important. The The problem is, is that actually it's so important that sometimes you feel like since you haven't been reading Venom from the beginning, since Donnie started his run. You're lost. You are a little lost. Yeah. Technically speaking, I think a checklist of here are things that you should probably read before Absolute Carnage starts mm. just to get you primed. Because if you have not been reading Venom and you did not pick up any Web of Venom uh, stuff or Cult of Carnage stuff and things like that. I like, did not. Like I, you, I did, did not. not right? You did not. I did not. None of us did. There is some stuff that you're going to be confused of. Absolute Carnage Lethal Protectors starts out focusing on Misty Knight and John Jameson, Jonah's son, the astronaut, the guy who's basically Man-Wolf. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, because he was head of security at Ravencroft Sanitarium, where a whole bunch of crazies, including Norman Osborn, who thinks he's Cletus Cassidy, was being locked up. They were evidently involved in the cult of carnage killing a whole town and things like that so there's this whole backstory about those two that if you didn't read it you, you kind of can pick up some of the pieces okay but a little bit of it is a little confusing but the miniseries continues with the fact that man wolf gets transformed so he's now a carnage mm -hmm. he's, yeah he's, he's he's got a symbiote he's on wolf he is uh going after misty and shriek Carnage's old squeeze from way back in the day offers her body to be sacrificed and takes in the spirit of Demigoblin. 
Really? So we've got the return of Demigoblin in the body of Shriek. So she knows who she is, but now she also has the power of Demigoblin. Misty calls for help, and guess who she calls? Damien Hellstorm? No. Damn, that would have been neat. Iron Fist. Okay. Who then, once he realizes that Carnage is involved, essentially gets the band back together. (gasps) We get Cloak, Dagger, Morbius... Firestar and Deathlock. Not the original Deathlock, but the new Deathlock. It's essentially a reunion of characters that were involved in Maximum Carnage. And they've reunited to kick some more butt. Stuff like that, you can read because it's in a different part of the city, taking care of different issues, but still a part of the overall story. And it's got a nod to, well, let's face it, Absolute Carnage is kind of the sequel to Maximum Carnage. A miniseries like that, a tie-in like that, I find completely worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Whereas Absolute Carnage versus Deadpool... Uh, You could probably skip. You could. could, Yeah. Because it really doesn't fit in anywhere. Because he is going up against Norman Carnage. Right. There's no possible way that Norman Carnage can be involved in something like this when he's involved in so much other stuff going on in the main story and, and in the amazing the Spider-Man, Spider-Man issues. Right, because mm-hmm. he, he fights it's, one whole issue. It's, it, it's impossible. Yeah, you can't be fighting four guys at once. So literally, that book was written just so people... Because they're in Deadpool. Because it's cash Deadpool. Cra- it's it's cash got cra- Deadpool on it, yep. and people are going to buy it. Yep, so I, I kind of feel a little little cheated where that one was concerned. Yeah, Deadpool, now, Deadpool, one, Deadpool. Of the, one of the tie-ins that I was curious about, because, I again, I, I pretty much just got the basic stuff, although I am a Ghost Rider fan, so I did get the... That Spirit of Vengeance is fun. Yeah, that was, really yeah. That was I, cool. I actually wish there was more of that. But one that I had thought about getting, and I wasn't sure, but I'm going to ask you guys if I should go back and, and try to dig it out of a bin... The Absolute Carnage Avengers one shot, eh? Because there's a lot of Avengers who have worn symbiotes. Really, it's only Captain America, Wolverine, Hulk, Ben Grimm, and Hawkeye. Really, those are the only four mm. that yeah. are focused on. In a video oh, okay. And Hawkeye okay. is all the way in San Francisco, where there just so happens to be another smaller outbreak of Carnage possessed. Activity. Oh, okay. if only there were some sort of West Coast Avengers to fight them. Unfortunately, but they had already disbanded by that time. Yeah, fuck me, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Book I like. I picked up the Immortal Hulk one shot okay. because, well, I'm picking up Immortal Hulk. I, I get that on a monthly basis. It's a part of my big fat pull list. It does actually fit into the narrative of the actual five issue miniseries, but. It also fits in to the narrative of the Immortal Hulk ongoing. Also written by Al Ewing. So when you have the guy who's writing the ongoing write your tie-in to the big event, you're on the right track. You're not trying to pull some bull crap like they do with the Deadpool. However, the Absolute Carnage Miles Morales, I'm enjoying and I feel like it, it, it ties in. It, I mean, because because if it you like again, if you like that character, it does tie in, tells you more about what was going on with mm-hmm. him and Scorpion, because they just kind of blurb it. Like that's what's really kind of like cool, but not cool about that main story. Like by the time you get there, you're like, how did these two team up? How are they fighting on top of? It's rooftop? enjoyable, but then trying to find a place that it fits into the five issue miniseries. Yeah, that's, that's where a little things tougher, become right. tricky. Uh, 
Yeah. Mm. When I went to buy it, I was getting them in order. And then a guy at the shop convinced me because I was like, man, I'm lost in the story. Like, what is going on? And so he was like, oh, we got to pick up Venom. I'm like, I don't have that. Okay, we well, got to pick up this. I'm going to go cook at that. And he's like, actually, you should probably pick them all up. And after the first three he recommended did tie in, I was like, and this wasn't a guy at the shop. This was a fellow customer. That's why okay. I was like, okay. Well, but he was kind of th- wrong. That's, that's, where your yeah. problem, that's where your problem lies. So I was like, you listen to somebody that you didn't know. Yeah. Listen to a pleb. I did. I was Peasant to, to us. Customers should be like, Comic here. royalty. Am- amateur. Please, I'll fall for that again. Really, if if all you want to do is enjoy a good story, pick up issue one through five yeah. of Absolute Carnage. Right. If you happen to be collecting Amazing Spider-Man, if right. you happen to be collecting Venom, it, Venom. it helps. I think Venom helps. But it's helps. not essential. Right, I think Venom helps add to the story. Amazing Spider-Man, I feel like you could skip. Yeah. Screw you, buddy. I'm saying if you if you're not already getting it, you don't have to go out of your way and get well, it. Well, tr- if you're not getting That's it, you saying. don't have to go right. out of your way. I'm saying Venom 17 helped out a lot though when you're first reading the story. Have you been following Absolute Carnage? If so, what have you thought about it? Hit us up on our website or Facebook page or wherever else you can find us. Give us your thoughts. Do Hickman's mutants have souls? Very heavy topic. Possibly religious undertones. But who am I to judge? I'm super excited for this. I, 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 I either want you to have come completely 180 and love whatever he's doing, or just the further hatred of everything Hickman X-Men right now. I hope there's more poop. Well, now, Tons of poop. don't forget, in our, in our previous Current Issues episode, I, mm-hmm. I, I said I didn't like it. I didn't this? hate it. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I, it's either you've got to start really loving it now, or it's got to go into the full hatred. Don't tell me what I got to do. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm no. excited for It's one or the other. Join you either love it, or you're in the poop. Yeah. You're either king of shit and mountain, well, or you've wiped your feet. By now, House of X and Powers of Ten is over. It's gone. The Dawn of X books have launched. Mm-hmm. All six titles have come out with their number ones. So far... There's nothing that I can say I absolutely hate about the Dawn of X books. Some are better than others. And maybe I'll go to our social media accounts and actually break down my thoughts on which books I like better. But that is neither here nor there. I want to talk about the ramifications of the concepts that Jonathan Hickman has introduced now into the X books. The fact that at any time... If somebody dies, they have the ability to clone them and download their consciousness into that cloned body. Come on, gold balls. Uh, yes. Uh, he actually doesn't want to go by that anymore. Oh, he, he wants what? to be called Egg. That's even better. I, I oh, disagree. Worse. I, I think gold sorry, balls was, sorry, that was the sarcasm. best co- code name mm, ever. If I had Man, picked, next to Maggot. If I, I would have gone picked... gold sperm. <laughs> gold ovulation. Of course you would. <laughs> I'm a fertile man. What can I say? The concept is nothing new. And not even nothing new as, you know, comics has been around forever and this story's been told before. It's nothing new as in the last three years. Let me take you back a few years to Dan Slott's clone conspiracy that ran through the Amazing Spider-Man and the subsequent titles. Ben Riley, the clone of Peter Parker... And this is going all the way back to that dreaded clone saga of the 90s. We're not going that far back. We don't talk about clone saga. (laughs) Speak of it no more. Ben Riley is back. He has taken on the persona of the Jackal. He has opened a company, and he has declared 
that anybody that has died on Spider-Man's watch, whether good or bad, will be back, will be resurrected. He has perfected the cloning technology that created him all those years ago to be able to actually resurrect the memories of people as well, just before they died. Therefore, essentially making them that person. You're not a clone. You're just you just have a new body. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there was a catch. You had to take a pill every 24 hours to keep your cells from degenerating. Okay, well, small price to pay to yeah. be alive again. People have to take pills all the time. And I, I'm talking about characters like Gwen Stacy, mm-hmm. Kane, mm-hmm. the other spider clone, uh, Captain Stacy. The Rhino's wife. Oh, yeah, that was big. Anybody that has died during the run of Spider-Man comic books that you can imagine, Ben Riley brought them back. Except for one. It, well, yes, except for one. Uh, because he was keeping that one close to his vest. Mm-hmm. He, his whole plan, he wanted Peter to be a part of this. Because at this point in time... Uh, Peter had Parker Industries, so mm-hmm. you know he was on top of the world. No, no, no worries, no more of that darn Parker luck. Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, is that the Web Warriors. Now we're 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 diving into the Spider Verse and things like that. The Web Warriors have been to several different Earths where this cloning technology turns into a zombie apocalypse. Because if these clones don't take their pills, they degenerate and turn into vermin. Which is another character from Spider-Man's Think a little rogues gallery. Yes, yeah, yeah. And essentially it spreads the plague. Mm-hmm. And that plague turns everybody into more vermin. Mm-hmm. It's a cute idea. I really it, like that. It is. Now, a handful I of characters. It was a good book. Yeah, it, yeah. It was, yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. A handful of characters were able to stabilize themselves and are continuing to exist out in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it was also how Otto Octavius was able to get himself a brand new body yep. after the whole Superior Spider-Man debacle happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ironically, it's Peter's body yet again, another Peter clone. But with his genius, he broke the code and created a body that wouldn't degenerate. Mm-hmm. Did he share it? No, uh, no of course but not. Obviously not. We have this concept that you can bring somebody back to life through cloning with all of their memories intact. Now, here's the question. And yes, it might get a little theological, but if that's a clone body, not your original, are you really you? And if you want to get even more biblical, do you have a soul? And what actually constitutes the soul? Is it you, your your essence? Because if, if all we are is just our memories, then technically speaking, yeah, you're you. You've just been put into a new body. Mm-hmm. But if that's not how we classify things, then that's, it's, it's left up in the air. And I'm going to leave that question kind of just dangling out there as I move on to my next example. Brian Michael Bendis, before he left Marvel, he was writing Iron Man. And previously in Marvel, we had to go through Civil War II, which mm. wasn't really a civil war. Just a reason for them to use the name again and slap a two onto it. It actually wasn't a terrible story. It wasn't a terrible it story. It was a great story. But shouldn't it shouldn't have terrible, been called Civil War called, Two. Yeah. I think I think I wouldn't have complained so much had it not been called that. Yeah. Well, at the very beginning, we get our first casualty. James Rhodes. Rhodey, 
dies. And Tony Stark ends up in a coma, brain dead basically, but he has downloaded his consciousness. Mm-hmm. By the end of Bendis's run, not only has he been able to clone a body for Tony's consciousness to live into, but also Rhodey as well. So the whole firing shot of Civil War II, which was the death of Rhodey, mm-hmm. totally negated because, well, it doesn't matter anymore. He's back. Now, the interesting thing is that as soon as that run ended, writer Dan Slott, who was writing Spider-Man for a very long time, took over and started doing Tony Stark Iron Man. His run, which which is excellent, by the way, started dealing with those ramifications. Rhodey can't stand to be inside the War Machine armor. It's, it's like a coffin to him. So Tony has created this giant, spacious tank apparatus for him to use. It's like Hulkbuster armor. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm talking, oh, he's no, sitting it's more down, of a, it's, oh, it's, it's, a it's a tank. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. That flies, if I... That flies, oh yeah, I mean, yeah. all the bells well, and whistles. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be silly. Now, Tony, during a recent story arc uh, that dealt with him creating a virtual world online, his consciousness was overtaken by this, that, and the other thing. I'm not going to get into the specifics, but Tony drank alcohol. It wasn't real. It wasn't, it wasn't actual alcohol, but in his mind, in this virtual world, he fell off the wagon. Now, once he's out of the virtual world, moving around in reality once again, his body never took a drop of alcohol. But in his mind, he fell off the wagon. Yeah. Now, here's the question. If that body is not really Tony Stark, because it's not, it's not his real body, it's a manufactured clone... And if all he is is just the downloaded memories of his former self, does that make him real? And the interesting question is, is that that's what he's dealing with right now. Because essentially, he could just go back and delete the memories of him drinking that alcohol to where he would never have to worry about the problem of falling off the wagon, whether it be digitally. Hmm. He does do that, but then he also deletes a couple of things that were important. So he's guilted back into undeleting all that stuff and just dealing with the problem. Like you're supposed to when you're human. But the fact that we're going through the process, Dan Slott is going through the process of dealing with what does it mean to be human in this artificial intelligence world. It's one of the reasons why I'm enjoying that book. So I was going to say that's one okay. of the things that's so great about it. It's also one of the things that I think was good about the clone conspiracy, although mm-hmm. the clone conspiracy didn't do it to the same level and the same extent, right? That Tony Stark Iron Man is, but yeah, the fact that you're you're taking something that seems trivial and and menial in comic book magic world, right? And you're actually dealing with the mental and psychological ramifications of something like that. Which, yeah, makes that book way more interesting than a basic Iron Man book. Now let's take a look at mutants. Hell yeah. Full circle. Jonathan Hickman has essentially said, hey, doesn't matter if you're bad or good, if you were murdered or died of old age, if you're a mutant, we can bring you back. Because we, we have the technology. But are they real? Are they themselves if this body has been grown out of an egg 
using other mutant abilities and a copy, a backup copy of one's consciousness and memories have been downloaded into this body, is that them? And whether it is or not, are we going to see the ramifications of those questions in these stories? Because the question hasn't been even brought up. Thinking about what you said, it's it's your kind of almost like your brain is all your thoughts, all your memories, all your feelings inside a different body. But if, like, say you had like a bad knee and now you're in a body that doesn't have a bad knee, how would your brain respond to that? Would it cause you to have that bad knee because it's what you're used to? Well, interesting that you bring because, that up because in the X Men books back in the late seventies, early eighties. Xavier himself actually had to have his body cloned. A brood queen mm-hmm. infected his body. They downloaded his consciousness, grew him a new body. And the thing is, that body, totally fine, could walk. But the legs wouldn't. But he couldn't get those legs to move because in his mind, yeah, he, was he was still paralyzed. Hmm. He actually had to reteach himself how to walk. And see, I'd say in that aspect, yes, because you're, you're you. You might not have the bum knee, but you're going to have to get the bum knee, and that's what makes you you. And while those are questions that I think good writers need to address, Ooh, and those are, yeah, well, my my feelings on Hickman, you know, whatever. Anyway, all of that aside, the bigger issue here is that in the world of comics, especially with Marvel, because Marvel has never, never relaunched or rebooted the way DC has. Continuity is fairly important, I think, especially for Marvel. So the the bigger question here is, are we throwing continuity out the window? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but when Nightcrawler died and was brought back to life, they actually went to heaven yeah. or some sort of paradise-like afterlife. Yeah, He came back... Also As a result of that. Right. And from what I remember, it wasn't that he couldn't die, but he couldn't go back to heaven. So he, you don't want to die because now you're going to go to hell because you don't have any other but options. But he was kicked out of hell, though, too. Was he? Okay, yeah, so I didn't so even know he had, that. He had but, no place to go. But here's the question. If you are recreated and cloned with your memories from the moment before you died and you are essentially the same person you were and you cannot die and it is constant then what is the soul? And if there is no soul, and if you're just being created and that's all you are, then what does that do to the continuity that we've already established there is an afterlife for Nightcrawler? Not to mention the ten other pantheons of mythological deities in Marvel that all have their own afterlife. So do all of those now become... Null and void? Yeah, useless? Are you saying mutants don't have a soul? Well, that's the question it only, here. It only, helped, but it that's only the, affects mutants. But that's so the question. Thor and Cap, this is all just mutants. But as, as the writer, that's something that needs to be addressed. Otherwise, what you're saying is, hey, the last 60 years' yeah, worth of stuff matter. that you read, forget all that. We're doing this now. And that Hickman does that shit with regular stuff. I love his non-superhero-related stuff. Pistol, you were wanting to see what... An extreme reaction to the book, so maybe you didn't get a rest- extreme reaction from Mister X as much as you wanted. No, I got it from you. But though. I hate the new X Men books. Okay, and I read the first two or three of House and Powers and then thought, 
well, okay, let's see where this goes. I have a great respect for Hickman because of the amount of world building he's done. Mm -hmm. But after having read all of them and only read X-Men number one, that's as far as I got, I cannot stand them because as a writer, he has not addressed those things. Okay. He has just said, forget about all this. We're doing this now. Doesn't matter what you read or spent money on. Mm -hmm. Well, screw you. I'm not going to spend money on yours then. Well, would you would you consider him playing a long game, and we'll explain all of this and this will all make sense, uh, much to Tom King's Batman? I've thought of that. Mm-hmm. I've thought of that well, because Hickman I... Hickman does do the long game. Yes, he does. But... Nauseatingly long game. Yeah, I was going to say, first off, his game is so incredibly long mm-hmm. and so in-depth that... It's maybe almost too long, but that's fine. If all you're reading is just that pocket of characters, then it's not really that terrible. However, there has been nothing to indicate ever so far in this stuff that that is the case. There is nothing to indicate that when a new writer takes over, whenever that may be, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, that we will ever go back to anything perfect. The genie's out of the bottle. Okay. You know, someone like Claremont doing the long game in the 80s and the early 90s with the X-Men, that's a very different kind of long game. You're still using what was essentially established from the get-go by Stan and Jack. Okay. Tom King's long game in Batman, it doesn't change the basic essence and principles of Batman. It changes things going forward, mm-hmm. but it doesn't change what came before. This completely negates what came before. It's like you're saying that everyone else has been following the rules, and Hickman's like, forget the rules. Right. I'm making my own rules. Right. Well, it's very that, similar that to... That can really Well, right. Suck. It's very similar to what Grant Morrison did when he took over the X-Men in the early 2000s. Right. Yeah. He flat out said, I don't care about continuity. Yeah. Totally continuity is what's wrong with comic books. It chains a writer down, and they can't be creative. Well, you know what? You know what I say to that? Wrong. You're lazy. If you're a creative writer... Work around it. Right. Find a way. Right. And life I'm, will always find a way. Life does always find a way. Frank and Castle. And yes. <laughs> perfect example. Frank and Castle. And what I'm afraid, again, remember, very few issues are out. There may be a long game. I'm not demanding an answer right now. I'm putting the questions out there for, for us as a group, but for everybody that's listening as well. These are questions that need to be asked if you are a fan of these characters like I am, I love the X-Men, and there's a reason for that. And if you change the fundamental aspects of who they are, I don't want to lose something that I've cared about so much. And I'm sorry that this episode got real heavy here at the end, but that's what happens. When you're passionate about something, damn it, you got to have your voice be heard. And thank God we have this podcast. Now, those are my feelings on Hickman's new X-Men launch and Dr. Impact's thoughts as well. But we want to know what you think about how things are going in the mutant corner of the Marvel Universe. The funny thing about it is is that all the other books going on right now, anytime a mutant character is brought up, they always mention, well, the X-Men are acting kind of funny right now. And I find that humorous that other writers would even go, boy, what they're doing over there, that's weird. Well, it also makes me wonder, 
is there is there no outside communication from the ex editors to the other editors? Might not be. Only time will tell. Reach out to us over at our website, over at mybigfatpulllist.com, and let us know your thoughts on Hickman's X Men run. Those were our current issues, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you were informed and entertained. Until next time, I am Mr. X. I'm Smurfy. Pistol Danger. And I'm Dr. Impact. Reminding you that it's better to have your finger on the pulse of pop culture than have your thumb shoved up its... Ah! That's our show, folks. Tell your friends and family about our program. What he means is you and everyone you know should subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on every app possible. Want to help support the show? Visit our Patreon page. We have a variety of incentives at multiple tiers, sure to satisfy any and all hardcore geeks. You can also follow us on social media where we post weekly comic picks, breaking news stories, and glimpses into our everyday geek lives. Until next time, keep your turtle shells waxed. (laughs) Your power rings charged. And your proton packs primed. Ooh, what's this do? No, Smurfy! Not the containment unit! I was just being a colossal asshole. Uh, we know. Oops. That's gonna be you soon. It'd be interesting to see you when you're not a colossal, a colossal asshole. Because I, I don't. But then I would just be the same as Smurfy. It I don't be fun. know oh who that person yeah, is. We don't know. I, I just don't. There is no person. Everyone's got their cell phone silenced. That is a Texas size 10-4. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to need you to take about 20% off there. <laughs> That's a big Texas size 10-4. I, I saw the episode where he goes. Don't, because I'll start, so I okay. realize I'll talk in the accent. Like, I'll start talking <laughs> like those guys. I did the other day. We were at Walmart, and yeah. I was like, you know, there. And like, I was like, damn it, I'm yeah. talking like the guys from Letterkenny. Yeah. Would so, like to come to a soft birthday party. Oh, so soft. <laughs> so soft. <laughs> Not yeah, we can't we can't <laughs> slip into a Canadian. Accent I know that's right? why yeah. I'm like, and I'm going to do another voice anyway. Apparently, I've watched it. Yeah, and remember, like you five only times. have to you only have to do the Marv thing for when you're introducing yeah. your your thing. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. all you got to worry about. And then you may revert back. To then you can revert back to your normal right. voice. All right. <laughs> this is how I'm going to like introduce like okay. uh, the the writer. No, no, no. Okay, go for it. I don't even know. Like, I even had like readjust my headpiece. That's not even real. I was like, no, wait, hold on, that's not right. There we go. How are they supposed to let you know what they think about it, Smurfy? Easy. One, telepathy. Two, smoke signals. I also respond to the old pen and paper. Write me a letter. I will pay for postage. It's cool. Uh, If you have a raven. You know what? Insert the tone.